Blog Talk Radio. She's just a girl and she's on fire.
show. So if you do have any young ones in the listening area, in the earshot, you know, we'd like to let you know that we're going to be talking about some grown and sexy things. So, you know, we, you know, we ask that, um, you know, you use your discretion, but we just like to let our adult listeners know that this is an adult show because we have some wonderful programming throughout the week um, doing the for the family healing circle. And, um, but on Fridays, you know, keeping the, the the good content and everything going, but this is an R-rated show. So, again, we like to let the fam know that. And also, um, as I mentioned, that I am a sexual wellness coach, and Z, and she is our love goddess and enthusiast. And and we say this because um, we are not medical doctors. Um, we, are, we do not have any medical degrees. So the things that we talk about um, are through our research and our experience as well as with our guests that are also professionals, but um, we just like to let our listeners know if you are under any type of medical care or any type of condition, you know, if we have any recommendations or suggestions or anything like that, we just ask that you please, um, you know, be in communication with your primary care um, provider. So other than that, Z, did did I cover everything? Yes, you did, my queen. You always do. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome, love. I think we are ready to turn everything over to our beautiful sex of desire, uh, Denise and Ingram, (laughs) so she can bring on (laughs) our guest tonight. Uh It's all yours. All right. Well, I want to thank you, Vani and Z. It's always a pleasure to be a part of Love, Sex, and Nutrition. I am Janine Ingram, also known as the Love Goddess. They also call me the Queen of Desire because I teach sexual manifestation. I teach you how to manifest with your sexual energy. I'm an author. I'm a radio personality here in Chicago, and I do empowerment workshops, and I do a host of a lot of things. So I just want you to know that's who I am. But I want to introduce to you an amazing gift to the planet. I came to know him. My friend called me, and her name is Deborah Gary. Everybody knows And She said, you got to see the pink monologue. Oh, my God. And she sent me this um, write-up, and she said it's going to be in this place called Room 43. And I was really, really excited about it. I'm like, Tina's monologue. What is this about, right? So tonight, I guess, we bring in one of the most powerful, dynamic Ribbing, provocative, phenomenal writers, producer, actor, director, Messiah Equiano. Messiah is well known for his creation of the play The Penis Monologue. The play is an offset to the highly critically acclaimed Vagina Monologues. That's the answer to the Vagina Monologues. The penis has its turn to tell women what men really want them to understand. This comedic expression written by Messiah Equiana brings enlightenment and awareness to the experiences of the penis and will have you busting with laughter, but also feeling enlightened, awakened to the reality of some of the traumas that even men have gone through and had to face. Our brother Messiah is going to share about the play, give us some examples from his monologues. He's going to get deep in our conversation about what men really want women to know. So get ready, my guys and goddesses my queens and kings, my sisters and brothers, because Messiah is going to shut it down tonight, and you don't want to miss it. So take your time and invite somebody. Get you a friend so they can come in and get some healing with Messiah tonight. Messiah, you on? I'm here live and direct. Good evening. 
Good evening, good evening. You see how excited I am to have you here tonight. Yeah, I'm excited as well. Thank you for having me. Peace and blessings, King. This is Bonnie. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you all for having me. Thank you. Good evening. Good evening, everybody. Thank you for coming. So let's get started. Let's start about how you started even writing, Messiah. Uh, well, it all started uh, four score and thirty years ago. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> essentially, <laughs> uh, when I was a twinkle in my father's eye. Now, but um, actually, I wrote. I remember in uh, first grade, I wrote a story about um, a, a essentially hanging out with my friends, and we did this and we did that, and our parents barbecued and. And it started raining, and then the rain went away, and then we went back outside. So, you know, for me, it was just something that came natural. And uh, I turned that assignment in in first grade, and uh, my teacher, uh, she called my mom. She said, you know, I, I would appreciate it if, um, you know, the parents don't do the assignments for their uh, for their um, their children. And my mom said, what are you talking about? And uh, the teacher said, well, you know, I said, I had a homework assignment for the students to complete. They had to do a story, and, um, you know, your son's, uh, it seems as though you wrote it, and your son didn't write it. My mom didn't know what she was talking about. So it even went to the point where uh, the teacher actually uh, brought my mom in and showed her the writing. My mother said I had no, she she had no idea that I wrote that story. And um, at that point, I became um I guess a uh, a fact that I could uh, I could write, and you know it was just something that came very natural to me. Um, so I, I would I think my my first memory of, of truly writing was in uh, first grade when I was seven years old, and I, I haven't stopped ever since. Hmm. Messiah, you know I love your name. I want to know how you came up with the name Messiah Equiano. Yeah, so uh, my birth name is Daniel, and I, I love Daniel uh, and my family. They still call me Dan and Daniel and all of that. And, I, and you know, if somebody calls me Daniel, I'm not, it's not like I'm not going to, uh, you know, recognize it. But I remember being about 12 years old, and I asked myself what I wanted to do. Uh, you know, you ask yourself, what, what do I want to be when I grow up? And I told myself that I wanted to save the world. And... Um, uh, so I told somebody that. They said, what do you want to be as a girl? I said, well, I want to save the world. They said, oh, okay, you want, to be, uh, you want to be a messiah, huh? And I just, when they said that, it just it just made sense to me. And and, uh, and that I've had people say, oh, man, you're not the messiah or who do you think you are and things of that nature. You know, even to the point where I remember one time uh, a woman introduced me to her friend, and he said, um, and, and can we, you know, I don't know if we use profanity or, or obscene words on the show, but I just want to respect if we aren't able to before I say what he said. But basically, he, he called me the N-word. He said, he said N-word, I ain't, I ain't calling you no messiah. You're not the messiah. I said, well, you know, I never said I was the messiah, brother, but it's interesting that you call me the N-word before you call me the messiah. But in long story, so that's where it came from. Uh, when I was about 12 years old, I said that I wanted to save the world, and I figured um you know, what better name to uh, to try to 
uh, adhere to and try to aspire to be uh, than Messiah. And so that's how Messiah came about, and I started calling myself Messiah, and, and ever since then it stuck. And then Equiano came about, um, you know, I'm not Muslim, but I do agree that uh, because of slavery, uh, African-Americans, we don't know our true last names. You know, that's my uh, my stance and my uh, my feeling towards it. And so um, because of that fact, I, I started researching and researching and I read on a, a, a man by the name of Olada Equiano. A long story short about him, he was in the 1700s. He lived in the 1700s, was born in Nigeria, uh, was kidnapped into slavery, him and his sister, and he uh, was, went, went through the Middle Passage and slavery, but he eventually taught himself how to read and purchase his own freedom. But he wrote about uh, everything that he went through. He wrote about slavery in the Middle Passage and life in Africa and the, the, the differences in the two. And um, that was just something I, I feel I, you know, resonate, that resonated with me and I identified myself with that, you know, through my writings, uh, hopefully I can uh, explain what's going on out here and hopefully, uh, you know, in some degree give people uh, some type of freedom or some type of, uh, I can work as a modern-day abolitionist, so to speak. So that's where I'm free just limited to. Exactly. Yeah, free your mind, free your spirit, free your soul, and if it needs to be freed. So, yeah, yeah, Messiah Equiano. All right, Messiah Equiano. So let's get to how you decided or how did you get inspired to write the penis monologues. Let's talk about that. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, well, originally uh, I have a few, friend, a few friends of mine who uh, – we talk about relationships, we talk about sex, we talk about, uh, you know, friendships, dating, and, um, you know, they would just have different questions, they, they would come to me with different scenarios, and this was just a, a common thing that, you know, just seemed like a lot of women always wanted to know uh, what's going on in the mind of a man, or, you know, figuratively the head of a man, literally, and, um <laughs> And it was something that just came about. And this was during the whole Steve Harvey movement of Think Like a Man, and he had written the book. I said, well, you know, it's cool to think like a man, but he's also uh, taking into consideration thinking like a penis. Because honestly, for some men, their penis is really what uh, what dictates a lot of their movements. And that's for a lot of men. And not even just sexually. It could be, you know, related to male pride or, um, you know, self-esteem or their confidence, you know, in regards to, to men. And so... I thought it would be something that would definitely be uh, relative to what's going on and, and um, informational as well as entertaining. And I uh, wrote a script, and uh, so I, I didn't realize how, how um, relevant it would be until uh, the tickets went on sale. And we did it at, uh, like you mentioned, uh, Row 43. And I mean, tickets, we had 300, about 350 tickets that were sold out in about literally a week and a half. I mean, this was, they were selling like, hotcakes to this thing, and I said, wow, this is something that's uh, interesting, and so uh, that's where it came about, just really wanting to uh, deliver some of the uh, the information that, that friends of mine have been asking about, and, and also some of the, uh, the, the occurrences regarding men that I, I knew that women wanted to know, and also even maybe even giving some information uh, to men, and better understanding to men, you know, that um, 
you know, may say that they may be the only man that goes through these issues or has these issues or these uh, or find themselves in these certain circumstances. I just wanted to be a, a, a great informational, almost like a workshop, but in a, in a play form. Oh, I got that. You know, now some of the things that you discuss in the penis monologues, you go through molestation, masturbation, wet dreams, male pride, relationships, homosexuality, interracial dating, and a host of other things. And mm-hmm. the one thing that I want to speak to, and I, I just just so excited because as women, we don't get to love ourselves first. Because we're told not to touch ourselves. We need to think of that as down there and everything other than a beautiful space of love and creation. And um, so something you said to me the other day that was so powerful. You said if a man has not been violated by rape or molestation, he gets to love himself first through masturbation. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was so Awesome. Men get to honestly love and feel and get to get connected to themselves through their own masturbation, through feeling and such. And I was like, wow, and we don't. Women don't. We don't. We always told, never touch, never think, never, you know. And I'm going to just be real frank. I didn't, I had three kids, been married, and all that stuff until I went to a vagina workshop. And in that vagina <laughs> workshop, that's where I, the first time I had ever touched male or any of the stuff that we did in that workshop was the first time I ever looked at myself, touched myself in that way, and smelled everything. We had to touch, feel, taste, everything. And so I thought that was really exciting. Let's talk about masturbation. Sure. Uh, where do I start? Honestly, it's just... About, it, it, I was going to say, it, it, let's talk about... Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was just saying, if you were stuck, I was just going to ask you, you know, because men, young boys start masturbating and we're afraid of it. Let's talk about how how does it make you feel when we feel afraid as a parent of you masturbating and saying, no, don't do it. You know, how does that feel? Does it feel like a violation? Yeah. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. So I think, I think it, it's... It, as children, you know, and I think a lot of adults, we need to honestly get back to the mindset of children. And that's not to say, you know, where you're, you're just doing things where that are ignorant, and ignorant meaning not to know, so you don't know better, but meaning just the curiosity of life. You know, and I feel that, uh, especially with boys and, 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 and even little girls, I mean, there's there's curiosity there. So I think it starts, I believe it starts um, you know, as, a, as a toddler, two, three, four years old, when the little boy looks down there and he sees that you know, he has something. He has something that it's not his finger, it's not his, his hand, it's not his, his foot, it's, it's it's his penis. And he may not even know what it is. You know, after him, you know, obviously when he gets potty trained, he knows that, that something comes out of there. Some fluid comes out of there when he goes and uses the toilet. But there's another aspect of it that maybe when he touches it or or, um, you know, when his mother's washing him up and a towel rubs against it, there, there's a sensation that's there. And maybe that sensation, uh, that boy uh, likes it. Um, and, and that's something to consider, not to be vulgar or anything, but you know, even little boys uh, get erections. So that means at some point they, that 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 uh, their tool or their penis is sensitive to something, to touch, to um, and it obviously can't be their thoughts, so it, it's sensitive to touch, or it, it has um, involuntary uh, erections. And so, essentially, um, 
I don't care who, who he is. Uh, most boys, whether they're in maybe sixth, seventh grade, you know, when you start to enter that world of puberty, you become very curious. And you might, um, you know, that's when you, you look at girls now. I mean, because I remember being in fifth grade, and it was like, oh, girls, now, or fourth grade, now, girls, get out, get out of here. Hey, girls are nasty and disgusting. But around sixth grade and seventh grade, you know, those same girls I saw that were disgusting a few years before, I was all in their face now, you know, trying to get a kiss, trying to, uh, you know, looking at their, 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 their boobs, you know, looking at their, their booty, all that, you know what I mean, trying to get a touch of the booty. We used to have a game. But we would have touch a booty and run, you know, and that was in seventh grade. And then, you know, you used to get beat up by the girls by touching their booty, but, hey, it was worth it, you know. <laughs> so, um, but but also what's also interesting, you know, boys start, boys start to watch pornos. I mean, I don't care, again, who they are, what ethnicity. And every boy, I feel, at some point, has, has you know, what they had that uncle that had a porno collection or they, their, their father has some Playboy books under the mattress or something, you know, something to the point where they look at these things and they become aroused. And then maybe in some of these pornos, they see things, then they mimic them. And one of those things is masturbation. And I just personally feel that um, every man, every boy first touched themselves. If they were not molested, they touched themselves. They got to know themselves before any woman got to know them. And there's a portion in the penis monologues uh, where <laughs> the, the, the 14-year-old boy, he masturbates, and he, and he says, you know, he, he keeps going. He, he masturbates and masturbates, and he keeps going and going, and he starts to feel this rumbling down there, like this rumbling sensation that, you know, was different than just, you know, him than any other time or whatever. So he thinks nothing of it. He keeps going and going, and all of a sudden, boom, boom, there's this explosion. And there's you know there's stuff everywhere all over the floor, and um, and even Richard Pryor. It's funny because Richard Pryor um, mentioned it in the one of his stand-ups. And he's like, he, he, but he said his, his experience was with a woman. He said, look what you what you didn't done, you didn't broke it. And then, but then he's like five minutes later, well can you break it again? You know because it felt so good. And that's essentially <laughs> that's how that's how it is. Like I, I can remember myself masturbating. And the first time I had ejaculation and thinking, honestly, like I broke something. Like I thought I broke something down there. And I and I, I, I prayed and I said, God, if you, if you fix it, I'll never masturbate again and all of that. And then I looked around, <laughs> next thing you know, I was right back at it five minutes later because, you know, that, that <laughs> sensation and that feeling was amazing. And you want to keep having it over and over again. You know, it's like that high that you don't you don't have to smoke weed to, to get it. You don't have to drink to get drunk, you know what I mean? You you just get uh, a yank and a tug here and there, and, you, and you're there, <laughs> literally, right? <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right for masturbation in a and house. I'm just, I mean, listen, if y'all, I'm, I'm going to keep it real. If y'all want me to be on the show, I'm going to keep it real with you. I ain't going to see it. Oh, yes, I'm please do. <laughs> but these are the issues that a lot of men won't talk. You know, some men, they, they play the tougher. Oh, man, I, don't be, I never did that. Yeah, okay. Yes, you did. And I don't care what color you are, what race, what age, you know, it's at some point in time, and even still, even still, men and boys have done it, absolutely. And it's well, really been interesting because – oh, go ahead. No, no, no. It's really been interesting because – Well, the last thing I was going to say, it's really been interesting because, you know, after uh, a lot of the teenage model laws productions, uh, I'll have women 
uh, that'll come up to me and say, thank you so much. Now I understand what my 15-year-old son is doing in the bathroom for three hours at a time. Thank you so much because now I understand what my 12-year-old son is, is doing. You know what I mean? It gives clarity to some of the things that people are going through right now in their own personal lives. So it, it becomes not only just entertaining, but also an education session where you can understand the, the males in your life a little bit better. And that's what a lot of women really take the value out of it in that capacity. A lady texted me the other day, and, we, and I didn't get a chance to ask you. So I wanted to ask you. She said she's been married for 16 years, I think it was, and her husband won't masturbate in front of her. Like she could walk in a, a place, walk in a house or whatever, and as soon as she walked in, if he was masturbating, he'd jump and run. And I wonder why she said she wonder why um, he won't masturbate with her or around her. Because uh, well, I can't speak for him, honestly. I mean, I don't, you know, he does his thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, but but um, some I think that some men, if if their woman sees them masturbating, then the man might think that the woman um, sees that to be disrespectful to them. So what what do you mean? What what am I not woman enough for you? Am I not? Um, am I sexy enough? Am I not attractive enough? Why do you feel that you have to masturbate when I'm when I'm sitting here, laying here, you know, and I'm your wife or I'm your girlfriend? You know, why, why do you feel that you have to do that? So that that could be one reason, and and sometimes a man may not want to um, to come off disrespectful uh, to his woman. Another thing that, I, and I'm gonna be quite honest, men, we majority of men, we love sex, but sometimes you you just want to. Honestly, get to where you're going and keep it moving. And, and without all of the, the huffing and the puffing and the sweat and the, the foreplay, and then, you know, you might just want to be a little selfish and, and not have to be concerned about it. This is just keeping it real. Concerned about pleasing your woman. You just maybe just want to please yourself and keep it moving. You know what I mean? Without, without, the, uh, without the formalities of it. That's just being honest about it. You just maybe want to get, you know, feel that quick sensation. And and go on about your day. Get to work or watch the game, whatever it is. You know what I mean? So I mean, and literally stick and move or pull and move exactly, and, and, and go on about your day. So and also, uh, I mean, just uh, honestly, embarrassment. You know, some some men that might be embarrassed to to the point where you know if their woman because they may not feel that their woman understands them. Or they understand why they're doing it, so they they don't want to be embarrassed. So, what for whatever those those are three quick reasons why, you know, a male may not want his woman or see his woman. Uh, oh, excuse me, may not want his woman to see him. Uh, you know, choking uh, his chicken. <laughs> All right, well, let's do it. Let's do it. So, let's talk about the play. How and when do you think mm-hmm. that the play will be coming out? Do you have a date yet for the play? And when do yeah, we generally bring it back in the summer. We're actually looking at uh, getting it on tour now, but uh, we'll bring it more than likely. We we'll bring it back in Chicago to Chicago uh, summertime. Summertime shy, baby. So you know, people can come out with it. Ladies can come out in their sundresses. Fellas can come out in their linens. Uh, we generally have a uh, a nice liquor sponsor there, so you know, people can uh, get get nice and uh, uh, bubbly prior to the show, so they feel a little bit more relaxed and. Have a good time, you know, so we generally bring it out during the summer. Then we'll bring it back. Mm, well, the love's only going to have their own little section. We're going to have our own little section. Absolutely. 
<laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I'm excited. It's only right. That's right. That's right. Hook us up, brother. Hook us up. I got. So you know everybody. So everybody wants you to do a monologue. Are you ready to do one of those good monologues? And then we come back. And ask. We're gonna do. Let you do a monologue. We're gonna do the commercial, and then we come back. And we got a special question just for you. All right. Uh, let me let me start with this one. Let me ask you a question. Who is man's best friend? Now, most people would say a dog, and I'm going to say, eh, wrong, it is not a dog. A man's best friend is his penis, and would you like to know why? Well, I'm sure you do, so I'll tell you why. A man's best friend is his penis because a man and his penis have been together ever since that man was born. The man and his penis have been best friends, whether that man has been up, down, rich, poor, married, single, well, actually, it could be the penis's fault as to why the man is single, but we'll get to that in a minute. The bottom line is the man and his penis, the penis is the man's best friend. But as we all know, best friends can often share a love and hate type relationship, right? The very thing you love about the best friend in one circumstance to be the same thing you dislike about them in another. Such is true with a man and his penis. The penis can get the man out of trouble while also being the very thing that got the man into trouble to begin with. Now, as I told you before, a man and his penis don't always see eye to eye. A man can be totally preoccupied with something, sex nowhere near his mind, and instantly his penis can take over. (laughs) Now, the man and his penis are the best, and I repeat, the best dynamic duo in history. A man and his penis are better than Michael and Scott. Oh, come on, man, please. Michael and Scott ain't nothing compared to a man and his penis. The man and his penis... And are better than uh, make a better dynamic duo than Chicago and potholes. And yes, there are a lot of potholes in Chicago, so you know that's pretty deep right there. And although I hate to admit it because I'm an avid supporter, a man and his penis are even better than Harold's and Mild Sauce. So in this unique, <laughs> brutally honest, and riveting production, we will listen to the confessions of one man's penis. Instead of trying to understand the thoughts and motivations and feelings of a bunch of penises, we'll try to understand one. For hopes in understanding one, perhaps you'll be able to understand them all. With that said, prepare to dive into the urethra, vein, shaft, and head of a man named Solomon James. In seven-year increments, we will see Solomon's life and, see, and take a journey through Solomon's life through the eyes of the companion that knows him best, his penis. So that's just a quick monologue. Right there. <laughs> uh, I like that. Well, I, I, you got to do the one you did the other day, though, too. So we'll oh, I can take do that one, too. You want me to do it? Yeah, I, do. I want you because that one is hilarious. All right, all right. So when uh, Solomon James is uh, 14 years old, so one day I walked over to my best friend's house. His mom answered the door in her robe and said he wasn't in, but told me I could wait for him to return. I sat down on the couch, and before I knew it, she was sitting right next to me. She began to rub my leg as she told me how cute she thought I was as she looked me in my eye. Man, my body temperature began to rise, and so did my penis. She asked me if I was a virgin. Before I knew it, I blurted out, yes, like a dummy. And then without warning, 
She licked her lips. I buckled my pants, and she slid my drawers off. She wrapped her soft, warm hand around me and began to massage me, making me even bigger. She then gently kissed me on my lips, took a step back, unfastened a knot in her robe, and let her robe fall to the floor. And there she stood. In the words of Bernie Mac, bucket naked. <laughs> the sweet smell of Johnson's baby oil filled the air. Man, her body was amazing. Perfect, perky breasts, flat stomach with thick thighs. She asked me if I liked what I saw. Still in a state of shock and tongue-tied, I silently nodded my head yes. She laughed as she walked back over to the couch and told me to come here. I felt the beads of sweat mounting my forehead as I made my first steps, not only towards her, but also to manhood. I reached her. She put my hand on her butt and she told me to smack it. I smacked and I watched her eyes roll in the back of her head. Wow, I couldn't believe it. Here I was, seconds away from losing my virginity to my best friend's mama. <laughs> I mean, what were the odds? She asked me if I was ready, and I said, hell, yeah, I'm ready. Before I knew it, we were going at it. I'm talking about from the front, from the back, from the sides. I was picking her up. She was screaming my name. Hell, I was screaming her name. She told me she's about to come. I said, I'm about to come. And then without warning, we heard keys jingling. The front door swung open to my best friend. I grabbed my clothes. I said, oh, man, hey, bro, what's, what's going on? He said, what the hell is going on? And I said, well, you know, I came looking for you, and, your mom was here, and, I mean, you know, one thing led to another. She said, son, he, he jumped on me, and he started raping me. I said, what? I wasn't raping you. What, why, why are you lying like that? He said, man, you here raping my mom? I said, no, nah, man, calm down, bro. I swear, she's lying, man. He said, man, my mom wouldn't lie to me, man. You raping my mom? I said, no, nah, man, relax. I swear, I just came looking for you. And he said, no, nah, I got something for you, bro. Next thing I know, man, this dude opens up his shirt. Pulls out a gun. I said, well, hold on, man. Seriously, man. Come on, calm down. For real, I, I swear to you, man, I was not raping your mama. He said, no, nah, I got something for you. Pulls out this gun, walks up to me. I close my eyes, and then out of nowhere, my alarm clock went off. <laughs> oh, man. I opened my eyes to realize the whole thing was a dream, and I was in my room. I laughed as I got out of bed, but I stopped in my tracks when I felt the wetness in my boxes. I looked down to see this clear, snot-like type of fluid. Ran to the ran to the, the bathroom and ran to the phone and called my dad and said, Dad, man, I think I need to go to the hospital, man. Something broke down there. Something wrong. Negro started laughing, told me what I had was called a wet dream. Very common in teenage boys. Penis monologues, monologue right there. <laughs> All right, commercial break. <laughs> Welcome to the Family Healing Circuit, where we heal the mind, body, and soul. Join us every Monday for Totally Whole with Dr. Rosemary Cook and Pastor Bridget as they discuss issues related to spirituality and mental health with emphasis on wholeness of mind, body, and spirit. Get your money right Tuesdays on Money Matters with Chastity A. Wells. This show is the tool you need to develop a healthy relationship with your money and financial legacy. Every Thursday is a treat 
as we mix it up. On the first Thursday of the month, it's Total Empowerment with Angela Hardy, where beauty and strength is enhanced inside and out. The second Thursday of the month is Relationship Talk on One Love, One Connection, One Up with Reverends Arlene Cahet and Harvey L. Bailey as they give you practical advice for creating a spiritual union to have the relationship you want. Call in with your relationship questions. Calling all brothers on the third Thursday of the month, it's the Sacred Masculine Show with Reverend Jamel Gilliam. It's a show for spiritual brothers and the women who love them. When there is a fourth Thursday in the month, we have the Healing Paradigm with Reverend Arlene Cahet, healing the mind, body, and spirit through changing viewpoints. Every Friday, let's talk love, sex, and nutrition with sexual wellness coach Bondria Walters and sex enthusiast Nakia Lana. The hottest sexual health and wellness and nutrition show around. This is for the grown and sexy. Listen at your own risk. If you don't know, now you know. The Family Healing Circle on Blog Talk Radio, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. It's the best in entertainment, education, and talk radio. You know, the moment you realize you're not alone is your finest hour. When you can finally allow yourself to be seen as you truly are. That's what intimacy is to me. It's acceptance of yourself. I can tell you the truth about me and you can tell me the truth about you and we can still be cool it's relationship commitment we're all in this thing together you know life is about connecting making room for your friends it's making yourself vulnerable Don't nobody want to do that. It separates the men from the boys. Intimacy. It's the art of loving, the act of giving and sharing and laughing. It's sensual and seductive, but you ain't got to seduce me. I'm already yours. At some point you have to come to the understanding that you are an instrument of love. Can you dig it? I thought I knew all there was to know about it, you understand? But I've only been scratching the surface, y'all. Intimacy. I think I'm ready now. We're back in Love, Sex, and Nutrition, and our guest tonight is Messiah Equiano, and we got our two love queen hostesses, Bonnie and Z. Bonnie and Z, before I pop 
real question on him. You all want to make a comment? Oh, I would like to make a comment. Oh, (laughs) no, you go ahead, on my sister. Go right ahead. (laughs) Well, I just want to say that um, I am extremely loving this show. I am loving this brother's voice. I know the sisters that are on the line tonight listening are really getting a treat with all the information, just and the love that this brother is just exuding through the line. So I just want to let them know that. We hear you, and I love that, you know, you're doing the work and, you know, and just spreading the love and creating conversation and dialogue, you know, the the, the type of um, the show. And I would love to – I wanted to also ask if you're going to be on the East Coast. I know you said that you're planning on going on tour this summer. So, you know, um, if you want to give us some East Coast love over here, uh, absolutely. I mean, our plan is to go worldwide. You know, we're not right. prejudiced to uh, to anybody. So, you know, God okay. willing, we'd we be at a town near you everywhere, for sure. All right. All right. But, yeah, and so, um, yeah, I just I, I love the work that you're doing. And um, you bring in family together where mothers are understanding their sons better and, um, you know, helping with that relationship, as well as giving us women some perspective on, um some intimate, you know, things that we didn't know. We weren't privy to a lot of this information. So I just want to say thank you, bruh, um, and thank you again for coming on the show tonight. Uh, thank you so much. How gracious of you. Thank you for having me. It's oh, being yeah. an honor and a privilege. Thank you. Mm-hmm. But, well, you know what? I want to piggyback on that, my brother. This is Zakia. And, you know, first and foremost, the first time I heard you was on the love journey and, Man, that was such a treat, but this was just phenomenal. I want to say thank you so much for being here, for the service that you're providing uh, to the planet. You know, it's so good to hear a brother talk. And I know, you know, with your even with your heartfelt sharing, um, you know, as you're speaking, but even when you do your monologue, and, and I know that's your intention is to help us to understand you better. Help us to understand a brother better. And so I am so grateful because we have conversations all the time as women. And you know how sisters get together, we talk and everything. And But the thing is that we want to hear our brothers. We want to hear what's on their mind, you know, and we want to straight up, no chaser. And that's exactly what you bring in. And I love that. Thank you so much. Um, you know, I think the last time I talked with you, you know, I asked, you know, how the brothers handling it. Are they, you know, coming together and talking more and, you know, having more conversations, attending the monologues? And I believe that you shared that there are brothers that are opening up to us. So keep on doing it so we can get more brothers talking, better communication with uh, between uh, women and men, and, of course, that adds to more love, more love, more love. So yes. thank you, my brother. Peace and blessings to you. And I'm going to turn it back over to Queen Janine. Mm-hmm. Thank well, you. Right, Zikia, thank you very you much. Zakia, I thought you had something to say about Harvey. I just got your text. I guess not. Okay. I'm sorry. You said something bad. What did you ask me? You sent a text saying that you need to make an announcement for Harvey. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, we're going to... Um, so uh, uh, Harvey and um, the the Family Healing Circle crew 
have a brand new show that are coming up, and we wanted to make that announcement before we get into anything hot and heavy tonight, so I don't forget. Um, so he wanted us to announce that they have a new show starting at the end of the month, and it's called Make Me Feel It Radio. Make Me Feel It Radio. It's coming to the Family Healing Circle on Sunday evening. Uh, now, he didn't give a time, but I'm sure that they will be putting it up on Facebook and some of the other um, um, social media so that uh, some family can get to know about this new show every Sunday evening, Make Me Feel It Radio. Thank you so much, and I'm going to send it back to you, Janine, and thank you, Brother Messiah. Peace and love. Peace and love. Okay, you can you saying make it heal or make it feel? Feel, F-E-E-L, like feel. Yeah. <laughs> all right, make feel it, it. Feel. All right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> all right, so we're back, Messiah. Thank you so much for being on the show today. I want to let everybody know, for those who may have just joined us, we are here with one of the most provocative riveting playwrights you ever want to see. I'm talking about Get to the Planet. His name is Messiah Equiano, and I tell you, he wrote the penis monologues. So I just want um, if you want to let people know how they can contact you or how they can look you up or any of that. If they want to know how to get tickets to the play this summer, would they be looking on Facebook, you know, anything like that? Absolutely. Anything you want to mm-hmm. Yeah, they can, I can be found on Facebook, uh, Messiah, M-E-S-S-I-A-H. Last name is Ethan Edward, Q-U-I. A-N is in Nancy O. Uh, yeah, so you can look me up on Facebook. I'm also on uh, Instagram at M. Equiano and Twitter at M. Equiano. Uh, you can send me an email at M. Equiano at gmail.com. I'd love to hear people's uh-huh. feedback. And, uh, you know, even if, you, if you're in another city or country, it doesn't matter. You'd like to bring the penis monologues out there or any other um, – the production that we're working on, you know, I'd, I'd love to uh, explore any and all possibilities for sure. All right, and he also does a play in the schools, and it's a history about our black history because we don't know enough about our own history, and he is setting out to make sure that we get information out about our own community, about our own people. And uh, I just want to give a shout-out to ABC, hiring the first female black Female president of ABC. She just started January 15th. Her name is Channing Dungy. So I just want to make sure y'all know that. Just a little black history corner. <laughs> all right, all right. And you do plays in the, in the city of Chicago, in the city school, public schools, to teach our children about history, correct? Correct. Uh, our history lesson has been running for about uh, six years now. We've touched about 25,000 students, and essentially it's the celebration of uh, black history dating back to the ancient Egyptians all the way to the present day, uh, touches on black history makers that people don't necessarily know about, like Emotep and Billie Holiday and Catherine Dunham and Dance, um, just a host of host of black history makers like Megan Evers. And... All right. So you still here? And that's just a few. Okay. Okay. All right, so we're going to get back to this high topic. Ladies, are you ready? They're ready for me to ask you this one question. 
They want to know, Messiah, are you ready? I'm ready. You ready, Messiah? <laughs> All right. I'm ready. You might need to, you know, you might, just, you might need to hold on. <laughs> might need to hold on for this question. This is an infamous one. I might need to do a drum roll. All right. <laughs> they want to know, Messiah, what is good pussy? Ah, uh, that's a great question. <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, first off, the pussy represents uh, pussy that's mine. And when I say mine, meaning a, a, a man. That's that's first and foremost. A man wants to feel that uh, it's his. It, whether it be, and, and, you know, for some men, it could be just for that moment. You know what I mean? It could just be that moment, that instant, that, that period of time that you are sharing that special uh, time with, with that man. Or... Uh, in general, he wants to, men, we're very uh, comfort zone beings where we like to be comfortable uh, at home. It's like, you know, a man likes to come home, kick his feet up, watch the game, uh, eat some great food. I mean, we, we like to be at home. So uh, the same remains for his woman. So that's first off what makes a good person, um, the, the fact that it's uh, his or you know, that individual is at that moment and, and, and just in general. Two, uh, has to be uh, warm. You know, you don't, nobody wants to be cold anywhere. You know what I mean? So you definitely want something that's uh, that's warm, that's uh, uh, very wet, very wet and very uh, uh, conforming to you. you know, every man wants to feel that um, it's his own um, island, literally, an, an island that where that, that's wet and uh, sensual. And also, I think a lot of things. Um, it's not even just the the fact of being pussy being it's just the, um, the the part on a woman. It's the actual experience that makes it uh, good pussy. So you know, it's uh, we're very uh, audio and visual people as far as men. Uh, so we like to hear the moans and the screams. I mean, and, and, but they be genuine, not just somebody that's obviously just fake it or all over the place. And I think some men can tell if a woman is fake and she's just trying to put on an act. But a woman that definitely seems like she's been to it. And also it makes good pussy if a woman is also interested in pleasing that man, where it isn't just about her. It's not just She's not just laying there uh, waiting for the man to do his thing and make her climax and make her do this. But she's also interested in him. You know, the man wants to feel like this woman at that moment in time, it's all about him and she's doing whatever she could possibly do to make this experience uh, most pleasurable for both of them. And so in my opinion, that's, that's what makes uh, great pussy, amazing pussy. Uh, warm, it's yours, it's, uh, it's, it's wet, very wet. Um, it's um, it's um, interactive, just huh? pleasurable. Huh? Pleasurable. I say interactive, huh? <laughs> yeah, interactive. I mean, you know, just fun. And it's a, a whole experience. And, um, it's just exciting. I mean, and that just keeps you coming back it's over and over. It's like what you you know you can't live without it. You, you have to have it. Like uh, looking for it in the daytime with a flashlight. You know, that's essentially what it is. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right, ladies, what you got to respond on that? That was your mm. famous question. Yes, yes. That's how we do it on Let's Talk Love, Sex, and Nutrition is. Brother Messiah, I want to thank you for your honesty with um with answering that question. No problem. Thank you. Mm-hmm.
Yes, yes. Z, did you have anything that you want to comment on that? Girl, oh, my brother. Ooh, I love, I love Listen, we have had many responses, um, but yours, I think you handled it all. You said it all. I appreciate that. Excuse me. Um, you know, I love when you, you know, you talk about, you know, he likes, the man likes to know it's his, but also the interactive experience of it, you know, and I really want people to get how important that is. It's important for us, too. Believe me, you know, we want to know that, you know, our men are just as involved in that experience with us, and it's not just about getting in that. It really is about having to experience your woman. You know, that that, that brings us pleasure, and then we want to give more pleasure. So I thank you for bringing that out and, and keeping it real with us tonight. Thank you, my brother. And I tell you, you are making the sister swoon. The text messages are coming in all over the place, so <laughs> you are making yeah. this beautiful experience for all of us. That's going to be a lot of love making going on tonight after you hey. get off what you do on a Friday night, yes, yes. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. One lady just texted, he got one of them baby love making voices. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's funny cuz it's funny. <laughs> That's loud. But yeah, it's funny because my voice has actually been like this since I was about 14. True story. And so, uh, and it's only just gotten deeper. But I remember, you know, my dad, he's, he, even I touched on this in the monologue, how, you know, my dad used to call the house and he wouldn't know. He thought it was another man in the house because when I would answer the phone, he'd be like, who is this? He'd be like, what you mean who this is? It's me. He'd be like, me who? Me, man, your son. What's, what's up? Like, man, this ain't my son. And whoever you, whoever this is saying you my son, you about, you, I'm about to knock you out. You know what I mean? I'm about to come and kick your ass. I'd be like, come on, man, relax. But, yeah, so, I mean, I, I definitely use it. Um, I'm, I'm thankful for it because, I mean, even I think it's very uh, distinctive. You know, a lot of uh, people, when I speak, oh, okay, that's, we, we know who that is. So I'm thankful for it. It's just another tool that I see that I can, uh, can use to truly get uh, my point across. Mm-hmm. That's true because you do have a very distinctive, commanding voice. I can see you doing voiceovers, radio. I can see you doing a lot with that. Yeah, I'm actually working on quite a few things right now. So hopefully you'll be you'll be hearing my voice and seeing my face all over the place real soon. That's the plan. All right, well, we 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 calling it forth. We're speaking it into existence right now. Absolutely. So I got a text question. She said, "Do do me do me get tired of this?" Same pussy. What? 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 Do men get tired of the same pussy? See, my my answer to that is yes and no. A man can a man can get tired of whatever he wants to get tired of. It's up to that man, and he can also be satisfied with whatever he wants to. He chooses to be satisfied with. So if a man wants, if you know. If he has an excuse like I'm, I'm tired of this, then that means that he wants to. He, he's allowing himself to be tired of it. But if he has an attitude like, "Man, this is the best thing ever," and, you know, ain't nothing else out there for me to the point where I'm about to jeopardize this and go grab something else, then that'll be his truth as well. See, the thing about it, it's not about. I mean, at the end of the day, every woman has the same body part. You know what I mean? It's just where that man is in his life that that how he responds to that. 
I mean, because at the end of the day, every woman has two breasts, every woman has a vagina, every woman has two eyes. So it's not a, you know, it's, for some men, they want that conquest of how many. But for some some men, it's like, man, I don't need all of that, that, that drama. I just want this one, and she's amazing, and we're amazing, and our chemistry is it's, it's like the very first time, every single time. So I don't need to go searching for anything else. It's like it's, it's brand new pussy every time we we do what we do. And so you have some men like that. So really, honestly, my my answer to that text is it depends on the man. Man has free will. And if, and if you know, men want there's some men out there that I know they've been married 40 years and never stepped out on their wife. The other men, they play us for life. That's just who they are. So it just depends on the man, honestly. So now, so you said every woman has the same body part. We have the same body part, but it doesn't feel the same. Just like penises don't feel the same. So I mean, I never had you know pussy before, so I can't say that. But I'm just assuming it don't feel the same. And I'm just saying that because you know I'm sure you know penises don't feel the same because they're made different. You have some that made these many inches, some. You know, size is not that much there, but they may have a little more girth. And some may be skinnier. You know what I'm saying? So I'm sure women are made different, too, inside. So do you think that it has anything to do with the way, you know, like gloves fit to your hand? You know, like you can buy some gloves and they just don't fit right, and then some gloves just fit just perfect. Is it is that a possibility? Exactly. Absolutely. But then again, it also goes to the experience. You know, just because, I mean, I, I'm not, I can't speak for a woman, but just because, you know, this woman um, is taller or shorter, or this one's breasts are way bigger, and this one is smaller. What I mean is the, the, the experience, the experience of it. So, yeah, every woman has mm-hmm. the same part, but, the, but every woman brings a new experience to the table. And that, that to me, is what's key. Uh, if a man says, well, I'm tired of the same pussy. No, you're not tired of the same pussy because pussy is pussy. Vagina is vagina. But you, that means that you're tired of the same experience. Essentially, that's what that man is saying. I'm tired of, okay, we like you know, some like just some, like some women. You all can, some women out there, they they know exactly what their man is gonna do before he does it. Okay, he gonna come do this, and he gonna come do that, and then he gonna flip me over, and we gonna do this, and then it's gonna be over. Like men, women can, they, they get tired. Women can get tired of their experience just like men can. So if a man says that, then he's tired of the experience. That the experience is, is no longer. Um, gratifying or exciting anymore. It's just now dull and boring, and he's tired of it. That's that's what I mean by the statement. Right, I get you. So then it's it's the tantalizing experience that we're desiring here. So give me tell me a tantalizing experience that you've had that made the experience so wonderful or magnificent that it still stays on your mind. The experience. Can you can you ask that one more time for me? Can you describe in one of those great experiences that still stay on your mind when you think about one of those great moments you had and it was a very good experience? What was the experience like? Can you describe it? Oh man, I mean, how much time you got? How much time we got on the show? But uh, <laughs> no, I mean, um, she was that good. She was that good. What's her name? I need to take some notes, huh? <laughs> Um, I mean, honestly, just one where a woman that is totally into me. So when I say that, I mean, men, and I'll say for me myself, I mean, I, I, I'm in awe of 
a woman who even seems to be in awe of me. So if uh, I want you to, I want you to describe it. Did she how she walked yeah. in the room? What she had on? I want you to tell me her hips. You know, like blew your mind like the console. I don't know. Tell me a story. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, so so the, the thing about it, I mean, so as an example with that, um, I saw a woman one time, and uh, I knew. I mean, just like just like women, you know, men, we know exactly you know how we feel in in those moments of meeting a woman. So. Um, I mean, this woman, she just, she moved very gracefully. Uh, and, and for me, I, I love and nothing more sexy than a, a grown-ass woman. Not a little girl that's loud, and, I, and I'm not trying to knock anybody, because man, everybody, there's out there somebody for everybody. But um, I, I love a grown woman, you know, that, that carries herself with a certain steam, commands the room in her own way, but also isn't, isn't trying to be, um, dominating or dominate a man, you know she she's very strong and very secure in who she is. So uh, I saw a woman; she she just she seemed to float, literally float across the room. Uh, high heels. Uh, she smelled good when she walked past. Uh, she smiled and she gave me uh, just enough um, just enough interaction to to let me know that she was interested, but still uh, not too much where. Um, I felt that she was reaching, so I still was able to court. I still was able to maneuver and, and make my move as a man. I still feel that that's appropriate. Not to say that a woman shouldn't approach a man, but I feel that you know a woman uh, should position herself where it becomes um, uh, she becomes accessible for accessible for a man to approach her. And so that's what she did. Uh, she positioned herself very well. And um, her conversation was 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 amazing. And and for me, you know, it's not even just about jumping in the bed with you, but it's you know, where, where your head at, where your mind at, where what, what kind of heart you have. No, that's that's for me. I can't speak for every man. For some men, it might just be how uh, big a booty is, or a big titties, or whatever it might be. But um, this woman, she's very smooth, and um, her her, uh, her heart was good, her mind was good, and uh, from there, uh, I mean, I was already. Uh, attracted, I was already a part of it. Um, she had on a very uh, nice and um, sexy dress and high heels. And uh, when I saw her, I mean, she just seemed to, to just walk in slow motion. I mean, literally, <laughs> she just seemed to walk in slow motion. And then uh, we continued to talk, and uh, she she uh, recited some poetry, and uh, we talked about metaphysics, and we talked about uh, you know, attraction and uh, faith and purpose for a living and uh, how we can uh, improve the conditions of, on Earth and things of that nature. So for me, that's that's big, you know, because you know a man can jump in the bed with anybody. But you know, for something like that, you talking about a woman that wowed me. Uh, that's what wowed me. And then from there, um, the I mean, we were able to to mentally and spiritually make love. And so when we came together and actually kind of consummated um, our meeting and actually made physical love, it just was. It was mind blowing. It was earth shattering. It was groundbreaking. I felt that, you know, our love making truly um, improved the world, in a sense. You know, because when you when you make love with someone that you truly are making love with, it, that love doesn't just stay in that room. It doesn't just stay in that vicinity where you are. It, it gets out to the world, and so people walking past might feel better about themselves and their day and their life because of what you're doing at that moment. And that's how I felt uh, and experienced with her, and, and so. I mean, that's for me just to kind of hope that makes sense. But um, just her, the, the whole, her whole mannerism and 
and even afterward, I mean, just uh, the way she carried herself after that was just uh, phenomenal, phenomenal. So you know what I got from listening to you? What really makes good pussy is a woman who can make love to your mind. And if she can make love Absolutely. to your mind, then you, can, then you can burst everything else. That's what I heard. Yeah, if a woman can make love to a man, I mean, don't get me wrong, ain't nothing better than a, a great cook. You know, so don't, don't get it twisted to say that, you know, you can just make love and then that's it. Nah, I mean, you know, to totally and, and, and holistically um, capture a man's attention and keep it um, and interact, you know, it, it's, a, it's a plethora of things that go into it, but that's, uh, and that's a, a major, major uh, bonus right there for sure. But absolutely, like you just said, the mind, body, and spirit for sure. I love that. I love that. And that's what I always tell my sisters, that we we believe, you know, a lot of women believe that um, it's all physical. But I tell them all the time, my sisters, I'm always telling them that it is a very energetic energy. Men really like the energy of a woman when she comes with a lot of confidence, like you was talking about the woman. I imagine her having on that beautiful, sexy dress. I imagine her high heel shoes. I imagine her floating through with her own confidence and her own being, but yet letting you know, hey, if you're interested, I like you too. You know, I just thought that whole thing when you were telling the whole story. That was a good visual. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, it's not just a, like I said. You know, you have to obviously be attracted to somebody to even have sex with them or make love uh, to them and with them. But uh, I mean, for men, we we are for the most part. You know, like don't get me wrong. You got the brothers out there; they they sticking to the moving with anything. But for me, you know, I know my power. I know uh, my time and my energy, and it can't just, and not to say I'm better than anybody or worse than anybody, but I, I can't just jump in with any and everything. I, I can't do it, and I won't do it. You know, I won't waste my time or anybody else's time, but if it's something that uh, I see is just um, will, will not only help improve my life and theirs and also improve the world, then, yeah, that, that makes sense. I love that. I love that. And and it's just because you understand what it means to exchange spiritually. Because really, sex is a spiritual exchange. So when you're Absolutely. talking about exchanging your, the most valuable gift you can give anybody is your is you. You know, sometimes we right. guard our money more than we guard ourselves. And, and so I'm, I'm right. really loving and feeling what you're saying because I understand that spiritual exchange and getting into the metaphysics and watering your mind with good information. This is beautiful. Thank you for sharing that and, and letting us know that there are phenomenal men out there because if it's one of you, it's many of you. And some of our sisters don't believe that men can really be faithful and do and be like what you just described. Because one of the questions that came through, how do you keep a man from astray, from straying? How do you keep men from messing around? Or, or, let me look at the question. I'm, there's something about that, though. Uh, how do you get a pussy from going astray? Yeah. How do you do what? How do you keep a man from messing around? That's basically the question. Honestly, um, and, and and women may not want to hear this, but you really can't. You just a woman <laughs> just honestly has, and, and I'm and I'm gonna be honest about it. You really can't. That's the um, Yeah, you really can't. I, I I know some brothers that have cheated on their woman, and that woman has done. I mean, in my opinion, everything. She's been faithful to him. She's I mean, in his lowest moments, she's been there with him and, and for him. In his highest moments, she's been right there beside him. And in his highest moments, everybody, even himself, could say, I'm at my highest moment 
not only because uh, she's helped me, but maybe even because of her, she's helped me to the point where I'm at my highest moment. And Negroes or, or men, men, white men, black men, it doesn't matter, Hispanic men, they can, they'll still step out. So that means that, it's, that a woman can't necessarily keep a man, um, uh, can't keep that man focused on her. It has, it's all up to the man, and that's what I was saying before. That man has to realize the, the, the beautiful gift that he has in that woman, and he has to say, man, there's nothing that is worth me jeopardizing my situation with my woman, period. He has to make that decision himself him and a, a woman needs to know that she has a man that's capable of making that decision for himself a woman has to assess that of that man so if you see your man and he and men you know we, we're very uh we're habitual creatures like if a man goes to a bar he's not necessarily trying out a new drink he's drinking the same drink he always drinks that man drink jack daniels He's drinking Jack Daniels. He not, you ain't got to worry. You ain't got to think, you know, question it or hypothesize what he's going to order. If he get extra cheese on his cheese, on his burger, that's what he's going to get every time he eat a burger. Men are very habitual. So if, if a man is all over the place in his life, then he might be all over the place. If he's all over the place in his, uh, let's just say, his, his recreational life, you know, then he might be all over the place in his romantic life. That's what, until a man truly says, man, this is the life I'm going to live, this is the woman I'm going to live it with, then there's no way to really tell. But, I mean, those are some signs. You know, a, a man will tell you who he is, just like people. People will tell you, if you just be quiet and listen, people will tell you who they and show you who they are. If you just sit back and watch them, you ain't got to say nothing. They'll, they'll show you. So to answer that question, and for the, the, the lady that asked it, the woman that asked it, um, a woman can't keep a man. I think and that's where a lot of women get get it misconstrued and they get frustrated. Well, I did this and I was perfect and I did that. That has nothing to do with you if that man is straight. That's all on that man. It's all on that man. Hmm. All right, all right. He's a man. <laughs> yeah, if, if he's a man, then he has he has to you know he makes decisions like a man. And he has to be wise enough to know as a man, man, this is uh, this woman right here is amazing. And then another thing, you know, I, I think a lot of women, they, they give a man too much too soon. When he feels like, I don't have to, well, shoot, I, I got everything. I, I don't need to work for anything else. A man still needs to feel that, you know, he has to work for something. And and, and I'm not saying you withhold the withhold the cookie from him. I mean, you, you know, you women should assess the best way possible, but at the same time, you know, a man has to see value in not only that woman, but he also has to see, okay, why why, why would I stay here as opposed to being all out in the street? What is the value in it? Well, the value is, man, this woman loves me. She, she's there for me. I'm there for her. We have great chemistry, and I see how my life was before her or without her, so now, and I see how it is with her. But again, that man has to ultimately make that decision for himself. Wow, that's true. He has to make that decision for himself, and there's nothing you can do to keep anybody from doing anything. Just like a man really can't keep a woman from messing around because people are grown and they get to make a choice. Exactly. If you chose someone who is honest and their words match their talk, because everybody's talk don't match their walk. Right. 
And if a man, and my thing is this, you know, especially with everything that's going on out here nowadays, diseases and all that, I mean, hey, if 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 a woman wants to be promiscuous or she wants to have more than one man, I mean, it's to the point now to be honest about it. And to me, even as a man, you know, I, I've tried to live my life based on, and I'm not saying I'm on this phone being perfect or whatever, but especially now, especially as, as I've grown, I, I don't have time to be lying and ducking and hiding and, and conniving. Hey, if I'm at a place in my life where, you, you know what, I, I, I'm, I'm, I don't desire to be necessarily committed to one person right now, so I'm, I'm having fun and I'm doing my thing, and I hope you can understand that. Or if you don't, then fine. That's the, that's the truth of, of the matter. Just be honest about it and then let people make their decisions based on the honesty. Don't don't be telling people, oh, baby, you're the only one for me and I love you, just to keep them around. Now you're wasting the woman's time. And that's a, a very, that's a great woman that you're just playing with her. And that's not cool as a man. The same goes for a woman. You know, don't play with a man's heart. Because that's a, and that's another thing I touch on in the monologues. You know, when a man, and not to say when a woman does it, it's the same thing, but when a man loves, you know, most men truly love. They love hard. And if they get hurt, you know, they, they feel a certain way about that. And I'm sure women do as well. So, you know, we we can be honest with each other and let people make their, their decisions based on our honesty as opposed to, you know, lying and conviving. Wow. That's true. I agree with that. Bonnie, you had something to say? I think I heard you come in. Well, I, I totally agree 100%. You all want to open up the line, Vani and Z? You all got anything you want to say? Oh no, um, no, I wasn't coming in the line, but yes, I would love the opportunity to um, open up the line to our guests and um, our listeners this evening. So I know that we have our listeners, our family out there that want to ask Brother Messiah some questions tonight. Sure. So if if you do, if you do, please press one, press one, press one. And while we while we wait on um, them to press one, I want to um, go and tell one of the ladies on the line text me. She wanted to tell about her vagina monologue. She is doing bringing a vagina monologue to uh, the Chicagoland area. And let me pull up her text right quick. Carla, and there is Carla Hawkins, and it's going to be March the twelfth at Spa Theater, S P A A Theater. Tickets are twenty dollars in advance. Three seven one Artist Walk. Park Forest, Illinois. If you are interested, please contact Carla Hawkins at, let me get her number, 708-878-1633. That's 708-878-1633. That's the Vagina Monologues right here in Park Forest, Illinois. Yes, yes, yes. So if there's any questions, make sure you press one so I can see your hand up and let me know, let me know, let me know. All right, Bonnie Z, did you have any questions? All right, we got a text question. She wants to know, how did you come up when she said, that when you, when I said homosexuality, how did you get to write about homosexuality um, in the download experience? Yeah, so uh, I, I worked uh, in corporate America. I have about 15 years of uh, sales experience in corporate sales. Uh, I can sell anything, honestly. Um, just been given a great gift of gab. To, uh, to sell, and one of those sales jobs, there was a, a openly uh, gay Hispanic man <clears throat> that worked there, and uh, you know, I mean, my my stance on homosexuality, I mean, hey, if that's what you desire to do, and, and, and you happy with doing it, 
I'm not doing it, but hey, if you're happy with doing it, then hey, live your life and be, be merry at it. But um, but I thought it was really interesting, and um, we just had a I, and my my job as a uh, as a writer and a producer and a director is to gain information, especially in regards to the human experience. You know, I've done all type of documentaries, and even in relation to uh, the violence, let's say here in Chicago, and I've talked to people that. Um, have been responsible for perpetuating the violence, and just to get their understanding and, and their their thought process on why they do and have done some of the things that they've done. So it's my job to get into the psyche of people, and then I can recreate those people in different characters through various productions. And then now it's real for for people that come out and see it as a as a play, as a film. It doesn't matter. So. Um, <clears throat> Speaking to this uh, Hispanic uh, gay guy, and uh, I just asked him. I said, "Well, you know, how do you how do you know if if a man and I'm not even talking about the flamboyant man, but how do you know if a man is gay if he is a flamboyant? And I'm mean like the down low guy. How do you know that those men are gay? I mean, do you just come out and say, hey, do you see every guy that you see and ask him, hey, are you gay? Are you gay? Are you gay?'" He said, no, he, he mentioned that it's an unspoken dialogue. He said, you know, because obviously you can't go up to every guy and say, are you gay? He said, but, you know, that, that person starts with eye contact, and then he said it, it'll start with, uh, you know, they'll, they'll wiggle their nose or they'll uh, scratch their ear or something. Or, you know, they'll, they'll throw out different silent gestures that indicate, okay, uh, you, you're this and I'm and that person is that too, and uh, they're digging each other. And then from there, he even went on to say, I said, well, where do you where do you go to pick up these gay guys, your download brothers? I mean, do you go to gay clubs? He said, no. He said, honestly, a lot of them have these straight clubs. Every you know, they're straight clubs, and they're guys with with braids, tattoos, and and and, and uh, you know, lift weights, and uh, the lawyers, doctors, even even mentioned preachers. You know, just doesn't matter. These are these are people that, that, that men that have these live these uh, by day straight. Manly lives, and by night they're they on the down low. And I said, "Well, how, how did you uh, emerge gay? I mean, did you did you have an experience? Were you molested of any sort?" Or he said, "He just he, as long as he can remember, he was he liked boys. He liked males. He was never attracted to women, never." And that I mean, I thought that was very interesting because you know you have some people that have the theory that um, something has to happen in order for a male uh, to be gay. Uh, but then you also have theories that say, well, no, some people can actually be born gay and, and not ever be attracted to the opposite sex. And, and he was one of those people. He said he, as long as he can remember, you know, he, he never, I mean, girls never did anything for him. He said he even tried. He said his father was a man's man. His father, um, you know, um, disapproved of him and his, and his actions and things, but he said he had to be around who he was. So that's how the, I was able to then take that conversation and then apply it to uh, a production. And the thing about me is, I mean, I, I'm man enough to have a conversation with a gay man and, and not even be concerned if that gay man think I'm hitting on him. And, and even the gay man knows that I'm not hitting on him. So I mean I'm I'm a guy that can talk about anything and, and still be myself at any moment. So 
that's how I was able to gather the information, applied it to the play, and then now a lot of women, thank you so much. You know, now, you know, they, they are on the lookout for those certain, uh, you know, um, gestures and everything, you know, because coming to see the penis monologue. Well, she said her question is coming from the fact that she just broke up with her husband of seven years to only find out that he was gay. She said, do you have, in your research, have you found anything that will let you, I guess, recognize when a guy is really gay and, and why he would want to marry a, a woman if he's really gay? <laughs> well, let me just say because, this before you get started. Okay, you got the answer? Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, uh, my perspective, uh, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to be that vain to say, yes, this is the answer. But, I mean, my perspective is that um, Men are very, and I talk, touch on this in the, in the monologues, whether they're gay or not, some men can be very prideful, very prideful beings. It's all about pride, especially if a man comes from a, a certain family or a certain tradition, or he comes from a certain neighborhood, um, a certain school. You know, you spoke that, you know, you're not supposed to be that. You, you can't be that. Um, and if you and if people, young people found out you were that, they would disown you and discredit you and do these things that um, you may not want. So you live this facade forever, but that still doesn't mean that you have the feelings and, and desires that, you know, nobody knows about. Then maybe at that point you just couldn't take it anymore, and maybe you just said, you know, I'm tired of uh, not living the life that I desire to live and, and, um, and doing this. But to me that's wrong. I mean, again, it goes back to what I was saying about uh, everybody just being honest. You know, if everybody's honest, now that woman, you know, God bless her. But, uh, you know, now she might feel she spent seven years with a man that she didn't necessarily have to spend that that time with had she known, you know, where he was, the way he was in his life. Had he just been honest about it and from the beginning. And I think, again, honesty is always the best policy. You know, you, you hear these phrases all the time, but they make sense. You know, it is the best policy. Whether you know, I'm, I might say the, some of the most hurtful things, but if they're honest, then hopefully they they'll be respected. Hmm. Well, you know, we have to ask ourselves when, you know, something you said earlier I think is really important. But sometimes we overlook. You said people will show you who they are if we really pay attention. And I think exactly. sometimes we just, we just we just overlook and don't pay attention to things. And sometimes we miss the signs that show us that this is not for us. But we keep moving forward anyway because our heart, our soul, whatever attachment or whatever it is that makes us move forward when we really know it's not for us. So I think that sometimes we those lessons come to teach us. You got to be still and look inside. Why am I? Why would I have attracted this situation to myself? What in me attracted this situation? Because everything is a reflection of me. And if I'm reflecting myself, what was the? What was? Why was I living a lie? Where am I lying to myself? All right. And, 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 and exactly, and if a man is, you know, on the down, I mean, because here's the thing: if, if a man is turned on by a woman, and, and by his woman, and especially that woman, you know, for the most part, she's keeping herself up, and she, and, and that's not to say, um, you know, some I think some people, men and women, oh, okay, well, I got my woman, I don't need to work out anymore. I got my woman, I don't need to do any push-ups or. I, I don't need to be visually appealing or, or sexy anymore. And that's not the case. I don't need to put on cologne. Yes, you do. And you need to put it on even more now 
because you know now you have this woman, so what what you what you get, you got to keep it. And so, if, if a woman is keeping herself up doing her thing, um, there is nothing more sexy. I mean, it should be like every day a man should feel like he's falling in love with that woman every single day because he sees her, he's attracted to her, her vibe is right, her energy is right, and he he's going to want to express himself physically uh, to that woman. And so if, if that doesn't happen, then that's a red flag right there. If this man is just passively and, and you know, days and weeks go past and, and he's not trying to, you know, um, touch on her and, and, and get close to her and be intimate with her, that's a red flag. If a woman finds herself struggling, struggling to, to, to get some attention from her man, that's a red flag. And, and women, and it happens all the time. You know, women, but the women, oh, he's just tired or he got a lot going on. And please, and, and I don't care what's going on in, in most men's lives. Ain't nothing better than, than some warm, wet, uh, loving. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that, that, you know, it's like Cat, Cat Williams has this, uh, this skit where he said he's talking about smoking weed. And he said, like, before you smoke weed, People be crying about their lights. Oh, no, I'm going to play these lights. And then they take one head of the weed. Man, 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 that's them lights. And that's how, how it is with, with, with some good loving. You know what I mean? You get you some good loving. You, I don't care what's going on in your life. For that hour or that three seconds, however long you last, you, your mind is off of the singing problems and struggles of the world, and you all good. And you having you a great time, and you being loved by that woman that loves you and going to take care of you in that regard. And, and if that's not happening, that's that man potentially showing you he might be gay. For real. Wow. Let's talk about the male pride. What do you, what do you say or what do you talk about in male pride in the um, penis monologue? So there's an instance where um, the, 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 uh, the son argues, the grown son argues with his dad. And the, the son is having issues with his, his lady at the time. And the father says, man, you know, you ain't got to deal with that. Just just leave her. Leave her alone. And the son like, man, I, what, what you mean to leave her alone? I'm not going to just leave her. You know, that's that's my lady. I love her. And he and the father's like, look, man, you know, I've learned a long time. Some ain't working. Keep it moving. You know, life is short. And so the son says, oh, okay, so I guess – uh, that's the same attitude that you had when it came to my mom. And then they get into this argument. And then the, the, the son says, you know, man, you know, I'll never want to see you again. I never want to see you. And the father's like, all right, you ain't never got to see me. And then shortly after, the father passes away. And so the the male, the, the son, after the mother, after that um, heated dialogue, heated exchange, he says, you know, everything in me wanted to, you know, go grab my father and say, man, let's work this out. I wanted to call him. He said, but one thing that prevented me from doing that is my pride. And he says that penis and pride go hand in hand. Men are always desiring to show off their, their pride. possible. And pride is, is, is very, very key for men. And even like, like I just said with the gay guy, you know, that, yeah. when it stop you on the down low, you know, a, a man's pride can can overrule his thinking. I mean, you, and, and I give some and, and I give some examples in the play. Like a man is a a man and his woman are driving, driving down the street. Man don't know where he's going. They they trying to get to get to this new. Let's say they're going to a banquet. 
got got on a tuxedo. He has on tuxedo. The woman has on the gown. They're trying to get to this back. He don't know where the hell he's going, but he just driving. And the woman says, well, baby, why don't we just stop and ask for directions? Hell no, I ain't stopping to ask for, for no directions. She said, why not? Man, please, I, I, I know how to get there. I'm going to figure this out. And then next thing you know, they end up in Atlanta. Because this Negro and drove 10 hours <laughs> in the wrong direction trying to trying to find this place because he refuses to simply stop and ask for some directions. Pride, like pride. Another another case we give, another uh, example we give is um, like if a man finds a woman's toy. You know, women have toys and dildos and bullets or whatever. And, and the man, what, what you trying to say? Well, I'm not mad enough for you or something? You know, I... I, I I put it down every night. You know, what you trying to say? What you got a toy for? Like then, there yet again, there's some pride coming in. Then there's another point, case in point, you know, they get through making love, and the guy says, oh, man, this is the best sex I ever had. How about you, baby? How about you, huh? How about you, baby? And she says, oh, well, you know, um, well, I just think that there's some, maybe there's some things that we could do to make it a little bit better. And he said, what, what the hell you mean better? He said, see, this is, this is grade A meat here, baby. I'm talking about better. If, if you ain't liking it, something wrong with your ass. You know, and, and there yet again, pride. Because we feel if you ain't liking what we giving you and if you ain't hollering and screaming, there's something wrong with you. It definitely ain't nothing wrong with us. Pride. Pride is real. Pride is very real for men. And I think that um, a lot of men don't talk about it, but they just exhibit it in their hate behavior. In various ways. Oh, okay. So that's I learned something new. So when you say about male pride, is that like the ego is? The, so when you think about, I hear uh, people say that men need their ego strong. Do you think men need their ego strong? Absolutely. I mean, and don't get me wrong. A woman should, a man should feel like his woman uh, will literally kiss the ground he walks on. So a woman should stroke her man's ego. Oh, baby. And, and it doesn't have to be crazy every two seconds. But if a man dresses up or, you know, he, he dresses up or he he, he on his way to, oh, you so handsome. You really look nice. That is a nice tie. You smell so good. And you just, I mean, just those little things. Men don't step out because of the big stuff. They step out because of the little stuff. You know, just man. just telling, just stroking a man's ego, and, and it, to me, and even, and I'm not saying that a man shouldn't do it for his woman. A man, men should do it too, because women, especially women, uh, should have their ego stroked and even more. Oh, baby, you, you're so pretty. Oh man, you're sexy. You know what I mean? I mean? Trust me, what you're not telling your man or your woman, somebody else in the street will. Believe that. All right, just like all the women texting me talking about how sexy your voice is, huh? <laughs> You know, I want to talk about um, something else that you talk about in the penis monologues. You talk about, um, I was, I just wrote it down. You talk about um, homosexual, oh, interracial relationships. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I didn't know if there was a question uh, coming after it. Well, you talk about it. No, I wanted you to talk about what is your research in interracial relationships and why men. Black men choose to date outside their race, or anybody, I guess, choose to decide. Women too. Well, I just think, yeah, I mean, if you look around now, it's 2016. I mean, honestly, if you walk down the street, I mean, you're going to see it. 
don't see white men with black women. You don't see uh, Asian women with black men. You don't see black men with white women. I mean, you, you just see it. You know, I just think that holistically, a lot of people are just becoming more open-minded, you know, to love, open-minded to experiences, new experiences. You know, it's not, uh, this isn't 40, 50 years ago, where I'm marrying in my race and and if I, you know, I'm going to figure it out with my own people, with people that look like me. That's not the case anymore. A lot of people are, are open-minded, and you see it even with the children. I mean, you see so many different, uh, you know, children out here with, with, you know, black children with blue eyes. You know, you see all kind of uh, exotic things now because uh, people are a lot more open-minded to, to love. And, um I, however, I, with the monologues, it touches on in regards to especially black men, uh, specifically the black men and white women, that uh, uh, this one case in a scenario uh, where a black man he, who truly um, gave his everything in his relationship to a, a black woman, uh, she stepped out on him. And he uh, feels a certain way about it, and he you know, is now saying, well, I'm done with black women altogether. Because that one woman, one black woman, cheated on me, and I, I just don't want to deal with any more black women ever again. Now that might sound trivial, that might sound uh, immature, but there are some people, even women, that do that. Oh, I'm done with black men. That's it. I'm done. And and they basing them being done on black men, specifically from their experiences with one or two or three black men that they've dated. That's it. All black men are dogs. No, they're not. Maybe the two that you come across. I have dogs waving, but that don't, that don't mean that a whole race of men a dog. It's like that don't mean a whole race of women a dog. And so that's what happens, that, you know, you have some people that have different perspectives, and they base their experiences, um, they allow their experiences to dictate the whole race of the people and the gender of the people, and that's what and they refuse to date those people anymore. So that's what the, the case in point with the, with the monologues, the black male, he has a, uh, a black woman that steps out on him, and he just vows that, um, you know, I'd rather deal with a white woman. I know she's going to be there with me. And also it, it gets somewhat into the stereotypes how, you know, uh, some black women are are, are uh, uh, aggressive or more aggressive than some white women, how uh, uh, white women may not nag as much as some black women. So it gets somewhat into that as well. Wow. You are very, very informative. Is there anything you want the audience to know before we get ready and sign off? Do you want your audience to know about anything? You want to leave us uh, a that you, I know I want. Oh, I know what I wanted to before you do. Do you have anything else that you have in the pipeline coming up? I meant to ask you that before. Film? You are you getting ready to get in film? You had another play you worked on? Yeah, quite. A, I mean, I'm, I'm about to unleash a lot for uh, 2016 and beyond. Uh, but next up, in far as the theater, I'm about to uh, release a play called Man Law. And essentially, Man Law is uh, addressing this seemingly epidemic regarding uh, uh, white cops and black men and why these shootings uh, continue to happen or have happened. And so really getting to not only, okay, we see these things, we see God bless him, Laquan McDonald and 16 shots in Chicago and Mike Brown, God bless him and uh, Ferguson. But, you know, why, why are these things happening? Black man, why are you running away from 
the actual people that are actually supposed to be protecting you. And white man, why are you uh, shooting the man that you're supposed to be, the unarmed man that you're supposed to be protecting? Or the the, the guy that has a knife, but he's actually walking away from you. How did, what has to go on in your mind for you to shoot this this teenager 16 times? What's going on in your mind? And hopefully through the production, it can bring some clarity for both sides and even bring some healing and some resolution and solutions to it. So I'll be releasing that uh, this May, uh, Man Law, and also um, a whole other initiative right now that I, I wish I could speak on, Lord knows, but um, because I'm, we have some legality, um, legal, I guess, uh, some trademarks that we that we are solidifying, the copyrights that we're solidifying. I'm not going to speak on it, but, when I, but it's very, very big and it's very major. Um, and I really feel that it's something that Chicago specifically needs right now relating to not only just the violence, but the overall state of life in Chicago and then even the whole uh, country and the world after that. But, uh, you know, you, you all be, be the first one of the first people to know when I, once everything is finalized with all these legalities so that if I say it, because right now if I, if I say it, it's not protected to the point where if anybody listening, oh, that's a great idea. I'm about to take it and run with it. Then not somebody else has it. And, and I have to be very careful. Although I'm creative, I, and we're all creative, but although I'm a, uh, a writer, producer, and director that's creative in that field, I still have to understand the business aspect of it, not just be blurting out stuff and then next thing you know somebody else has it and now they running with it. You know what I mean? So that and that happens all the time. So uh you'll be hearing a lot from but actually Man Law will be dropping in May and um but I, I really feel that you know it's something that everybody will, will find very, very interesting and worth coming to see. Wow. You really speaking to our community right here in Chicago and a lot of other communities and in Baltimore and a lot of other communities. And you know exactly. what's interesting when you talk about the violence so I, I was looking at when um, Spike Lee came here and he was doing shot and all that stuff, and I looked up what was the number one violent city in America. Do you know Chicago wasn't even on the top 30? What is it, like Cleveland or Baltimore? Baltimore Detroit. was like number 13. Detroit was number three. I think it was somewhere in East St. Louis somewhere was like number one. Gary, Indiana was up there. Baltimore was like 30. Harvey was like up there, number seven, something like that, the Illinois. But Chicago wasn't mm-hmm. even in the top thirty. It was New Orleans, someplace in New Orleans. Um, it was it was a lot of other places, but Chicago was not in the top thirty, and I was shocked. Yeah, that's because of the media. You know, it's because of the media. The media, every time you turn on news, two people shot here, three people shot there. I mean, but and that's my whole initiative that, that there are more people in Chicago that are not shooting each other than ones that are. I mean, there, there are more people that, that actually live through the day as opposed to those that don't make it through the day in Chicago. And that, to me, and that's what we should build on, you know, not focusing on Chirac and um, the violence, but, you know, building on uh, the great aspects about Chicago and the amazing people that we have that are doing great things. You know, we we shared a lot of love on this song right now, but that that's not gonna make. But you know, what I mean, people might have been informed in a way that they may not have been informed before, not because of me, but because you all have a platform and you're gracious enough to invite me on. That's people not talking about that on the news, but it's real and it's happening. So you know, I think it's just it's the media, and that's what 
you know, that people want. I mean, it's all. I mean, it's a, it's systematic. You know, it's, it's a systematic uh, approach to put fear in people. It's, it's to run people away from Inglewood, places like Inglewood, as an example. So nobody wants to go move to Inglewood, but see, a lot of white folks moving back into Inglewood. They trying to take that area all up because what's going to happen is all the black folks. I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. And the next thing you know, it's going to turn to white folks. Cause they like, well, okay, they all gone now. They build all that, all that up. They put Marianos in these neighborhoods, Whole Foods in these neighborhoods, and that's the indication right there. If these, if these, why are they investing in these communities, in these, in these savage, quote unquote, savage communities? But they are so bad. Why are you putting Whole Foods on sixty third and Ashland for what? If 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 it's just so terrible, no, it's because in the next ten years, hopefully, they feel that that property value is going to go up. So it's all you know. I just feel that it, it, it gets the wrong, uh, the, the the wrong attention is being focused on the wrong things. You're absolutely right, and 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 it's great that you're a playwright and you get to have a voice with a pen and get to bring out plays that to remind us of our history to teach us how to have a better relationship, a better interplay between men and women, and to talk to us about how to create a better peaceful. Communities, and those are the things that seem to be the topic of your uh, conversation in your different um, outlets and plays. Is that true? Yeah, I mean, I just, for me, I, I just feel like I'm, I've been uh, very, very blessed to one, uh, be able to have a gift of, you know, I, I can, I can create a story in my mind through the grace of God. I can create a story in my mind, and then um, uh, portray that to. Uh, to, uh, to other people, and then um, people can can feel where I'm coming from. People can feel where I'm coming from, and and it can relate potentially relate to their experiences as well. So uh, that that absolutely is something that I I truly I don't want to just be up there just saying nothing. You know, if you go come to the theater, you go or turn on that TV or turn on that or turn on come see a film. Now, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you the, the honest to God truth from my perspective. And that's, a, you know, a black male uh, living here in America and in Chicago and, and some, what some of those experiences mean. Yeah. All right. Well, with that being said, tell us, the women, something that they may want to know or what you want to leave them with, thought processes, anything that you want the sisters to know before we get off the line tonight. Well, one lady said she wanted to thank God for you. She thanked God for you. I thought that was awesome. <laughs> God for her. Yeah. So I thank God for her as well. All right. All right, Bonnie and Z, anything you want to say before we let Messiah go? Thank you for showing up tonight. Thank you for being on the planet. Thank you for making a difference. Messiah Equiano. Thank I just you so thank you. Thank you. This is um this is Bonnie getting back on the line. And Janine, thank you for inviting um Brother Messiah on the show this evening. He has truly blessed and graced us with his energy and with his presence. And we would I know Z will agree with me when we say that um we would like to invite you back to the show. Um and talk about um, your upcoming projects and your upcoming tour. And, um, again, you know, just share with our audience the good things that you're doing in the world and in our community. 
Oh, man, anytime. I'll be honored. Thank you. I'll be You're honored. Welcome. Let me know, and I'm there. Mm-hmm. I think so, it, I can with three women. What'd you say? I was saying, I said, I think you enjoy being here with three women. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Look, it ain't, look, sure. it ain't nothing like a menacious fly, right? <laughs> uh, sign, sign me up. Okay, that's, that's, that's one of my especially things. The, especially the intellectual kind. Uh, Brother Messiah, I just want to let you know we have truly been blessed with your presence tonight. The planet is blessed with your presence. And we're just so grateful that God's instilled in you the creative spirit that you have and that you stepped out on faith uh, to do the work that you've been called to do. You not only allow your awakened people uh, to what's uh, the possibilities and I love what you're doing in the schools when you take your work to our young people to give them something else to focus on besides what's in the street. You allow them to open their mind, to use the power of their imagination to create. And I really honor and respect you for that. So I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. We will look forward to you being in Baltimore. I know the last time you said all we have to do is extend the invitation, get a crowd of people to come out and have you do your thing with the uh, penis monologues and all that you are bringing forth. I would like to know just a little bit before you go about your beautiful son. You have a wonderful picture of you, and is that your son with you on the picture? Yeah. 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 I have three three amazing sons, Um, Denari, El-Haz, Shamir. Um, He's 10. I have... um, Jackson Mosiah, he's three, and I have uh, Hampton Josiah, he's two, and they are just um, true gifts from God. And I, you know, can't thank God enough for allowing me to be their dad. So they inspire me. They, uh, uh, they, they just, um, I just can't thank God enough for them. So they're my yeah. heart. So, and you know what I wanted to say about that is. What a beautiful example they have for a father. Um, They get to stand in your footsteps um, to watch you uh, present yourself as a king, as a god, um, as a leader, as a teacher, uh, a mentor. And, um, you know, that's such a beautiful thing. What what is your vision for for young black men? You know, some of our young black men are so lost out here. What would you say that, you know, like your vision is for our young black community, especially our young men, and what would you say to them if they were listening tonight? Well, my vision for uh, young black men is that they first get to know God, uh, and, and they can... And, and that's not even based on religion. It's not to say, oh, I'm, I'm telling you to be a Christian, I'm telling you to be a, a Baptist, or I encourage you to be a whatever. Um, get to know that which created you. And I'm not, and I'm talking about more than just your parents. Get to know that, that thing that, that created you. And look at yourself in the mirror and get to know yourself. Fall in love with yourself. Fall in love with the texture of your of your hair the color of your skin, the, um, the, the your, your fingers, 
your your toenails, every aspect of you. Get to know and love yourself and appreciate yourself. And when you get to know yourself, go within and and, and ask yourself, what, what do I enjoy doing? I enjoy writing. I enjoy uh, drawing. I enjoy building things. I enjoy figuring out how things work. I enjoy working on cars. Whatever it is that you enjoy doing, then start to cultivate that and fall in love with that as well. And then you furthermore fall in love with yourself when you see how great you become at what you love to do. And then when you love yourself, then you can love everybody else. And that, to me, is the reason for violence and uh, the things that we see is because ultimately people love themselves. There's no way they can hurt somebody else. There's no way. If people, if, but if people don't love themselves, they can pull the trigger on somebody without even thinking about it because I don't love myself, so how could I possibly love you? So that would be my my appeal uh, to young black men out there is get to know yourself. And, and um, if, if your community or where you come from doesn't show you a way out or doesn't show you a light, then you're going to have to turn the light on within yourself some kind of way, some kind of way. You know, they're, they're, you're gonna, if you don't see any opportunities, you're going to have to make some. You know, and, if it, and I know it may not be easy, but we're going to have to make our own opportunities. You know, I, man, as a playwright, you know what I mean, I, I just found out last year, and I've been six years in as a playwright, what it means to have a sponsor. That means to have somebody pay, and they didn't even pay for all of it, but to pay a percentage of, you know, for the DuSable Museum where I have my place, to rent their place out. You know, nobody necessarily gave me anything. You know, I had to sell tickets. I had to pass out flyers. I had to work with graphic designers, sometimes negotiate with people. Can I give you half now and, and the rest after the show? Do what you have to do. Don't be afraid to put the work in. You know what I mean? And, and that's what I desire, that God willing, nobody would ever have to police us. You know, they can put as many drugs and guns in our community right where they put them, right there on, on, in those in the freight trains or right there on the street because nobody's using them. That's the vision that I see for our community, just like the vision I see uh, for the world. You know, it's not even just related to and uh, just uh, regulated to black people. It's for everybody. You know, white man, you don't have to hate uh, the, the black guy at your job. You have no reason to be intimidated by him. He's not there to hurt you. You know, he's there to, to serve the company just like you are. So respect that man as a man. You know, and, and that's for everybody. We all have some work to do, but we all will have to do the work in order to get the work done. So you know, I love everybody, but especially, you know, my, my people. And uh, just it, it pains me to see... Uh, some of the instances that we that we have going on, but I know that you know with, with conversations like this and people like us, um, and, and as the message continues to get out, that's why I'm so happy to see uh, people like Kendrick Lamar and what he's doing from a musical standpoint um, be celebrated and recognized. You know, you can be a rapper with the message, and it doesn't necessarily have to be you know FDs bridges and and you know this and that, but it can be something that. Uh, it's something it represents where you're from, but also that there is a way out if you, uh, you know, keep your head on right and, and, and turn the light on within yourself. So, essentially, you know, that, that's where I am. And, and let Barack Obama and the Kendrick Lamar's of the world show you that it can be done. You can rise to whatever position you desire to rise to. 
You just have to do it and believe in yourself and believe that the universe will help you along your journey. Yes, yes. You speak my language. Big Sean hey, say what? Hey. One man can change the world, right? One man can change the world. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. God bless you. We love you so much. And we are looking forward to having you back again. God bless you and your ministry of service to the planet. One love, my brother. One love. God bless you. One love. All right. Thank you so much, Ms. Maya Equiano. And uh, we just appreciate you. You keep shining. And I know and I see an Ephesians 320 process going over you more than you can ever think, ask, or imagine. It's done. It's yours. Just claim it and receive it because it's yours, Messiah. The world is yours. <laughs> Thank you, baby. And the world is ours, and God is good. All praise to God. Thank yes. you. All right. All right, I'm going to go out here with Jill Scott and a song called Prepared. And if I knew it was going to end it like this, I would have had me some Jill Scott Heron on here, baby. <laughs> but we're going to go with Jill Scott and Prepared. This is from her. Can, can I song. say one song before we get up out of here? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I mean, I just thought about this. You mentioned Gil. God bless the spirit and the soul, especially, obviously, this is Black History Month. But every month is Black History Month. And I'm going to spit something real quick that uh, speaks to our history. It is called Make History. And it goes like this. Created in God's image and likeness, our illustrious history began on day six. We are God's most cherished creation. So let's take a look at our value significance. We were born in the Garden of Eden, but soon relocated to the land of Egypt. Our engineering has been deemed that of genius, and the brilliance of our architecture is no secret. We soon relocated to Israel, became king, and wrote the Book of Psalms. Years later, we transformed into the Prince of Peace that continues to love this world despite its wrongs. Fast forward, we merged into Harriet, became a colonel, and led thousands of slaves to freedom. Years later, we transformed into a man named Martin that saw past the nightmare and kept dreaming. And so today, here we stand, with our impact on today's world yet still a mystery. Yet through it all, we will continue to do what we have done best, walk with God, love each other, and make history. Make history one love. One love. Thank you so much. So much.
All right. That was Jill Scott. I want to be prepared for what I got coming to me. I want to be prepared for what God's plan is for me. I tell you, I see you next time on Love, Sex, and Nutrition next Friday, family. Thank God for another great show. See you next week. It's going to be, be prepared.